Let us bow before Almighty Yahweh. Father, we come before you. We thank you for the blessings of this day. We pray that what we do on this day would be pleasing to you, that you would always bless those here and bless those abroad, and uh, be with this ministry. And uh, we thank you for a great feast we recently um, had, and we just give you all praise and honor. And we ask this in Yahshua's name. Hallelujah. Amen. Before I begin, I'd like to say a few words about um, the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. You know, for me, this was probably one of the more memorable ones, even though for a third year I got sick near the end and still um, still recovering, but better than what I was. Probably the most memorable thing for me was the uh, nine immersions, and uh, really the eight immersions that we had at the uh, lake was just um, fantastic, and I don't think we're going to do haha tonk every year because of the distance, but um, we're looking for a place that would give us that opportunity for a picturesque place for baptisms and a natural body of water somewhere. And we have somewhere in mind we're going to look at here real soon, but also uh, would give us some uh, activities there as well. So that was a real memorable um, event, and just the uh, peace and shalom we had during the feast was great. And I'd um, like to thank everybody for those who uh, really made this feast special. I'd like to say thank you and and um, like to uh, encourage you to be here next year because it really was a, a great feast and special treat. We kind of already made mention, but we had a sister from uh, the Philippines and a brother. They were both immersed in the feast from South Africa and just a really, really great people and just a fantastic time. So just like to uh, wish them well. You know, if you come from the Philippines or you come from South Africa or wherever it may be in that distance, we're going to probably give you a little bit of special recognition, and I think we should, because that's quite a journey. I know, um, you know, I've been to Israel twice, and I think the uh, plane ride uh, from uh, here to there, and uh, when you, including the layovers, is about 18, 19 hours, and I think for them it was closer to 20 plus hours, so quite a distance, but it was a great year, great feast. And I'd um, just like to wish everyone, a, 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 I guess, a good Sabbath and, and just say thank you for those who were at the feast. Now, less than 10 days from now, the world is going to be observing a time that is considered by me and by many others one of the most abhorrent and pagan days on the calendar. We know this time is Halloween. The Celts called this day Samhain. For the ancient Celts, they believed that the line between the living and the dead disappeared during this evening, and that the deceased walked the earth. Today, December 31st, is celebrated with everything that is demonic and disdained by our Father in Heaven, Yahweh. This evening is commemorated with the grotesque, the monstrous, and the bizarre. In this message, I want to review the history of Halloween Again, Sawin. And I want to begin with something we find from the New World Encyclopedia. Here's what it says. It says, Halloween has origins in the ancient Celtic festival known as Sawin. Looks like Sam Hain. It's actually pronounced Sawin. The festival of Sawin is a celebration of the end of the harvest season in Gaelic culture. And it's sometimes regarded as the Celtic New Year. 
The Celts believed that on October 31st, now known as Halloween, the boundary between the living and the dead dissolved, and the deceased became dangerous for the living, causing problems such as sickness or damaged crops. Festivals frequently evolved bonfires in which the bones of slaughtered livestock were thrown. Costumes and masks were also worn at the festivals in an attempt to copy the evil spirits or placate them. We see here that Halloween arose from a pagan celebration, again known as Samhain. What was Samhain? Well, this was a pagan Celtic festival. It was observed on October 31st. For the Celts, this day also marked, as we see here, the New Year. On this time, they believed that the boundary between the living and the dead was dissolved and that the deceased walked freely amongst us. And for that reason, as we find here, they, they would often wear costumes and other items to disguise them so that they would look at the, as a deceased, as we find even today. So how did this day become Halloween, or like many, many days we find, the church eventually adopted this time, and we'll read more about that later in this message. Now, I want to talk a little bit about some of the customs we find. Many of them, again, goes back to Samhain, goes back to this Celtic day, and uh, most of this information is from Halloween.com, surprisingly a great source for anything Halloween. Halloween.com. So here's just some information about some of these uh, traditions we find during this time. And it describes how they arose, how they evolved. And um, some like the Jack O'Lantern, not quite what it was in the beginning, but certainly we see evidence of that today. So it says here, this has become one of the many popular Halloween symbols, as well as rituals and traditions. The Jack O'Lantern has become a great representation of Halloween since families often came together to choose their pumpkins as well as prepare them for the final look. And of course, as we know, this is a big deal today. Many people, they carve pumpkins. So as yet few know the supposed Irish folklore origin of, the carved, of this carved pumpkin. And as we'll see, most of this came over when the, when the Irish uh, came to America. They brought with them many of these traditions it basically has to do with a stringy man named Jack who tricked the devil, not once but twice, in order to prevent the devil from taking his soul. After Jack's death, heaven refused him and hell couldn't take him because of the agreement. The devil sent Jack on his way back to where he came from with only an ever-burning ember from the flames of hell to light his way. Needing something to carry his hot coal in, Jack found a turnip and carved himself a lantern. Irish immigrants quickly discovered pumpkins and thought that would make a much better candle holder to carry on their traditions than a turnip. So again, this is a jack-o'-lantern. We find that originally that it was a turnip, not a pumpkin. Of course, anyone who knows anything about a turnip and pumpkins, turnips are much harder to carve and than a pumpkin would, so we see how this evolved from a turnip to a pumpkin, but it's the same idea. And again, we see here, what do we see in 
uh, jack-o'-lantern or jack in connection with or Satan the devil. Satan the devil. So again, just one connection with, with Satan with this day notice, Samhain or Halloween. Now another tradition that we're all familiar with is trick-or-treating. goes on to say here, it is believed that the Irish be, began the tradition of trick-or-treating in preparation for All Hallows' Eve. And we'll read about All Hallows' Eve and later in this message. Irish townsfolk would visit neighbors and ask for contributions of food for a feast in the town. One thing we'll hear in a few moments is that trick-or-treating evolved because people did not want their personal belongings or land or homes, whatever, uh, mistreated, so that to uh, prevent this from happening, they would give gifts or candy or whatever it was to these people who would generally do harm to property. And again, this was brought again by the Irish Witches, of course, we know witches is a big part of Halloween. These uh, familiar Halloween symbols pop up everywhere for the season, from decorations to greeting cards to Halloween costume parties, and for good reason. Witches have been around for eons and often were often thought to have mystical powers, partly because of their connection to Satan or the spirit world. So again, we find another connection to Satan directly with Halloween or Samhain. The most notorious gatherings were thought to happen during the two major season changes on April 30th and, of course, October 31st. So this was a big day for witches, for satanic activity, and now is connected with Halloween. And we'll see just later, just as a side note, what Yahweh says about witches and familiar spirits and the demonic. As we know from the word, Yahweh says, have nothing to do with us. And yet, the church, as we know, they um, see nothing wrong with this. Many, many people in the church, they embrace this, even though it's clearly from pagan belief, from satanic belief. Of course, bats, this is another item, symbol that we often see. It says, while actually not vicious, evil, or terrifying at all, bats have become a familiar symbol tied to Halloween. Much of this is to blame on vampire bats who do suck blood. But just enough for survival without usually killing another animal. Bats have also been linked to witches, either flying about from their caves while witches perform their ritual ceremonies or for actually becoming part of a witch's brew. It's all satanic. Every um, tradition we find. Now, there was one other tradition I want to review, and that, that is del- uh, death in the Celts says it would be impossible to list each one of the many Halloween symbols as well as their meaning. Consider that many things can be a representation of the old Celtic festival known as Samhain, the original Halloween, or death conjured up holiday themes. So we see here that death is also often connected with this day we know as Halloween. So not only do we see this connection, this, this association with Satan the devil. But we also find that there's a connection with death. It says our death conjured up, conjures up holiday themes. Halloween costumes, for example, have been used since he first saw winds, though the original disguises were animal skins. So um, we see here some of the more popular traditions, symbols of Halloween. Certainly this is not an exhaustive list. There's many, many other 
traditions that we find during this time. But for me, the lesson here is what is associated with Halloween. And the two things that we find in this list is, number one, Satan the devil. Satan the devil is associated with witches and the demonic and the mystical. And as we also saw, Jack O'Lantern, this specific folklore, this specific story, has a tie to Satan the devil. So even though we no longer call this day saw when, and some will say that, or it's not the same, or it is the same, there is no difference between what we find with Samhain and what we are doing today. This is a demonic pagan day connected to Satan the devil, connected to evil, connected to death, connected to everything that is abhorrent to our Father in heaven. So how did Samhain morph into Halloween? Now this should not be a surprise to many of you. We all know the answer. The church eventually chose to adopt this day. So much of what we see within the church is a result of one word, and that is compromise. And that's why as believers, we can never compromise what we know to be true, because when we compromise what we know to be true, we end up with a belief system that is abhorrent, that is opposed to what we find in Scripture. And that's what we find with so many beliefs within the church now. Here's what it says in the, the Encyclopedia of Religion. It says, quote, The British church attempted to divert the interest in pagan customs by adding a Christian celebration to the calendar on the same date as the Samhain. This was their approach, whether it was Christmas, whether it was Easter, whether it was Halloween. This was their answer. It was, let's pick a day where this day is convenient because the pagans are already doing it. Now let's just relabel this with something else, something connected to the church. It says a Christian festival, the Feast of All Saints, commemorates the known and unknown saints of the Christian religion, just as he saw when had acknowledged and paid a tribute to the Celtic deities. So we find here that like so many beliefs before, like so many theology, like so many days, the church, instead of saying, no, we're not going to do this, we're not going to acknowledge this day, we're going to help people understand that this is opposed to Yahweh's word. They said, no, we're just going to adopt this date, and we're going to call it something else. And notice what they did. Just as this Celtic festival, this pagan festival, honored the Celtic deities and the dead, where the church simply said that we're going to honor the saints. We're going to honor the deceased and the dead saints. So they simply, they took the same day, they took the same meaning, and they simply reapplied it to the church. And instead of ancient Celtic deities and the deceased of the Celts, now this time is an observance of these ancient saints of the church. So this is from the History Channel, history.com. This is a tradition originated when the ancient Celts of Samhain, when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. Again, they believe that the, the line 
between the living and the dead was diminished during this time. And to prevent any harm, they would wear costumes imitating the deceased, just as we do now. It says in the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor all saints, just as we find with Samhain, just as it was originally designed to honor these Celtic deities, we find that the church is now morphing this belief into something else to honor the saints. But it's the same concept. It's assumed All Saints Day incorporated some of the traditions of Samhain. The evening before was known as All Hallows' Eve and later Halloween. That's how we got from Samhain to Halloween. The church adopted this day. They called this day All Hallows' Eve, which would commemorate the dead of the saints, not of these Celtic deities, and later All Hallows' Eve. And you can see how this would morph into Halloween. So as over time, Halloween evolved into a day of activities like a trick-or-treating, carved jack-o'-lanterns, festive gatherings, donning costumes, and eating treats. And much of this, again, was brought over with the Irish Because the Irish, the Celts, there's a connection, a relation there. They had these beliefs when they immigrated to this country. They brought these beliefs with them. And they introduced these beliefs and it grew. Like so many other traditions that we now hold within this country, it grew. And it became now what it is today. So there's a a term for this, and that term is syncretism. For those who know what syncretism, syncretism is basically a blending of religions. A Webster Merriam, the Merriam-Webster dictionary defines syncretism as the uh, quote combination of different forms of beliefs or practices. And again, as we see here, this is precisely what the church did. They recognized that this sovereign was a threat to the church, and they wanted to grow the church. So instead of doing what they should have done, and that was to preach against this day and to, and to um, help the people understand this is not a day we should be observing, they simply relabeled it and reapplied Christian values, if you will, to this pagan day. Again, we see the same thing with Easter and Christmas. For those who may not know, Easter goes all the way back also to the Old Testament. For those uh, it's, uh, in Jeremiah... Jeremiah condemned this worship. Astarte, the queen of heaven, the people of Judah, they were uh, insistent on worshiping this deity during the time of Jeremiah. You know, it's amazing. The more things change, the more they stay the same. It's really amazing when we look at so much of the belief system, even whether even the Trinity. We can see so many pagan beliefs upholding a triune relationship. So much of what we find within the church is thousands of years old, and it predates the church. But the church, instead of staying true to Scripture, they adopted these practices. And again, that's what what this was called, syncretism. And Yahweh's word condemns syncretism. Yahweh says, don't learn the ways of the... Well, we're going to see that later. Don't learn the ways of the nations. Don't do as they do. Don't practice as as, as they do. 
In fact, I wanted to share just real quickly, since we're also inching towards Christmas, I wanted to share this quote. Same thing with Christmas. December 25th was the date of the Roman pagan festival inaugurated in 7 or 274 as the birthday of the unconquered sun. And this was Sol Invictus, by the way. I believe that's Latin, Sol Invictus. It was the, uh, the uh, day of the unconquered sun, S-U-N. says, which at the winter solstice begins again to show an increase in light. Sometime before 336, the church in Rome, unable to stamp out this pagan festival, spiritualized it as a feast of the nativity of the S-U-N of righteousness. So we see just as they did for Halloween, we see the same for Christmas. They had a, a um, pattern of doing this. Instead of, again, preaching against it, instead of the teaching the people that the uh, believers should not be observing days like this, or they said, we'll just adopt it, we'll repackage it, we'll relabel it, we'll maybe apply something else to it. But in essence, it is the same. So many of the traditions of Halloween are the same as what we find with the old traditions of the Celtic Samhain. They are the same. There's no difference. And yet so many people today, they see nothing wrong with this. They believe that this is fine. So they will continue to observe these times. And the reason is, really, is for growth. And it's so sad, but it's true. Christianity and so many churches out there, they compromise for one reason. And that is growth. They want numbers. And the way to achieve numbers is by degradating your belief system, by, by accepting, by acknowledging, by bringing in these foreign ideas that Yahweh's word abhors. And that's a lesson for us. And it doesn't matter what it is, by the way. I know we're talking about Halloween today. But as a believer, it's important to realize that we don't have the authority to change Yahweh's word. We don't have the authority to deviate from Yahweh's word. We don't have the authority to modify and change what he commands within his word. We're going to see this later in this message, this concept that we must abide by, that we must follow what we find within his truth. So beyond just, again, this topic of Halloween, the lesson here for us is that we must come out of false worship. We must avoid that which would offend Yahweh, which would be anything, anything that arose from paganism. Some people ask, why do you do this day? You know, for, you know some people go so far, they'll say, or we, we shouldn't be doing Mother's Day or Father's Day. Not all days are bad. But if we can prove that these days arose and originated from false worship, or we're to avoid it, we're, we're to remove it, we're not to do it, and of course Halloween... Easter and Christmas, they are the uh, triad, if you will, of pagan holidays as we find within his. And there's others, but those are the big ones. So I want to share with you a quick video. It kind of summarizes much of what we've talked about, introduces a few other concepts I have not mentioned. This is from the National Geographic. It's about three minutes long, so we're going to watch this, and uh, then we're going to talk about what Yahweh's word says about coming out of false worship. From communion with the dead to pumpkins and pranks, Halloween is a patchwork holiday stitched together with cultural, religious, and occult traditions that span centuries. 
It all began with the Celts, a people whose culture had spread across Europe more than 2,000 years ago. October 31st was the day they celebrated the end of the harvest season in a festival called Sowen. That night also marked the Celtic New Year and was considered a time between years, a magical time when the ghost of the dead walked the earth. It was the time when the veil between death and life was supposed to be at its thinnest. On Samhain, the villagers gathered and lit huge bonfires to drive the dead back to the spirit world and keep them away from the living. But as the Catholic Church's influence grew in Europe, it frowned on the pagan rituals like Samhain. In the 7th century, the Vatican began to merge it with a church-sanctioned holiday. So November 1st was designated All Saints Day to honor martyrs and the deceased faithful. Both of these holidays had to do with the afterlife and about survival after death. It, it was a calculated move on the part of the church to bring more people into the fold. All Saints Day was known then as Hallamus. Hallow means holy or saintly. So the translation is roughly Mass of the Saints. The night before, October 31st, was All Hallows' Eve which gradually morphed into Halloween. The holiday came to America with the wave of Irish immigrants during the potato famine of the 1840s. They brought several of their holiday customs with them, including bobbing for apples and playing tricks on neighbors, like removing gates from the front of houses. The young pranksters wore masks so they wouldn't be recognized. But over the years, the tradition of harmless tricks grew into outright vandalism. Back in the 1930s, it really became a dangerous ho holiday. I mean, there was um, such uh, hooliganism and vandalism. Trick-or-treating was originally a extortion deal. Give us candy or we'll uh, trash your house. Storekeepers and neighbors began giving treats or bribes to stop the tricks and children were encouraged to travel door-to-door -door for treats as an alternative to troublemaking. By the late 30s, trick-or-treat became the holiday greeting. It's amazing the uh, traditions and how these things morph and change. And Of course, uh, I, I think the thing that surprised me, I didn't quite realize how dangerous it could be during Halloween. I guess it was in the 1930s when your home could be vandalized for simply uh, these uh, tricks into a uh, placate these, uh, these, uh, these uh, young people, I'm sure, they introduce this trick-or-treat. And again, as the uh, video says, it was almost a form of extortion. So we uh, certainly see that this is not of Yahweh's word. We see that the uh, ties, as we've already talked about, we saw in the video how... Uh, the church adopted this really, it said, to grow, to grow numbers. That's what it said, to grow numbers. And again, so much of what we see in the church is to grow numbers, and that's, of course, why they uh, continue to do the things they do. Now they're just putting Starbucks and whatever else in the church to, to uh, accommodate the people. And as believers, we can't do that. As believers, we can never accept anything 
that would deviate from Yahweh's truth. And, you know, if you're new to this message, I'll, I'll say this now. I would encourage you to look into this. I really would encourage you to think about what we do, what the world does during this time. And ask, is this something you believe Yahweh, our Father in heaven, would approve of? Would he approve of observing a day that is rooted in paganism, that was, that was observed in, in such a horrific way as we find historically? Now, what does Yahweh say within his word? I, you know, we've talked about the history, the um, ancient history, going back to the old Celtic festival known as Samhain. We've looked at some of the traditions. We've talked about some of the more modern history, how trick-or-treat and these other traditions arose. But what does Yahweh say about these types of days in general? Well, there's probably not a better passage in my mind than Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 2. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 2, and we can apply this to many, many things, but it says, Thus saith Yahweh, learn not the way of the heathen. What do you suppose Jeremiah meant here when he said, learn not the way of the heathen? How does the Bible define heathen? Or this word is from the Hebrew goi, refers to a foreign nation, specifically here to an unbelieving nation. Based on this, should believers learn and follow pagan practices as we find with, again, Halloween and other days of worship? Or the answer is, of course not. This one warning by Jeremiah should be enough, should be enough for anybody to remove these pagan ideas, these pagan beliefs, and yet we just refuse. So many today insist on worshiping, observing these times. No different from Israel when Israel adopted these pagan traditions from their neighbors. Again, Christianity has done much the same. And again, if you're new to this message, I would encourage you to, to consider to consider what you are doing and ask, do you really believe that the one you worship would honor these days? Because he, he would not honor these days. There is nothing, there's nothing holy. There is nothing sanctified about these times. Now, we, though, even though as believers, uh, we um, just, again, refuse to ignore these days, to avoid these days, even though we find that they are egregious in the eyes of Yahweh. In the instance of Halloween, we see that this time is rooted in demonic activity and witches and, and um, the uh, evil spirits and the deceased and even Satan the devil. Now again, many will say that this is a harmless time. Even churches that will set up trick-or-treat They'll have their vehicles here in the parking lots. Instead of going to neighborhoods, we can come to the church and you can go trick-or-treating in the parking lot. Do you believe that Yahweh would be pleased with that? According to Malachi 3.6, it says there that Yahweh doesn't change. The, the, the same standards that he has in the Old Testament are the same standards that he applies today. And as we can see through the many, many, many examples... Yahweh abhors any form of false worship. I'm going to share with you a few examples from the Torah now. Leviticus 20, 23, verse 23 says, And ye shall not 
walk in the manners of the nation, which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. So, as we saw in Jeremiah, we find here that we're not to follow, it says, in the manners and the manners of the nations. Now, what does this word manners mean? Or it's from the Hebrew, kokab refers to any pagan belief or practice. So we're to avoid this. Yahweh says within his, within his Torah, within the law, that if there are beliefs that are foreign, that are practiced by other nations, that we are not to adopt them. Now, what does he say near the end? He says here that he abhorred them. He abhorred them. The word abhorred means to be grieved or to loathe. This is how, again, our Father in Heaven views these days of worship. I believe that we would all agree that as believers, we would never want to do anything that our Father in Heaven abhors. We would never want to do anything that Yahweh loathes or finds as an abomination. And yet, knowing this, Again, we see so many, so many who believe in the Bible justify the observance of this time. Again, even ministers, they, would, they will again, they will set up cars and parking lots. And you can do your trick-or-treating and dress up in costumes and do all the paganism and the source, whatever it is, right there at the church. As if somehow that makes it all okay find a similar warning to this in Deuteronomy 12, verse 30 through 31. It says, Take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them. After that, they be destroyed from before thee. That uh, that, that, uh, That thou inquire not after their mighty ones, saying, How did these nations serve their mighty ones? And that's precisely what the church did. Whether it was in the case of Easter, which really goes back to the Anglo-Saxons, or the day again known as Halloween, which goes back to the ancient Celts, or Christmas, which goes back really to the Persians, but generally goes back to the Romans. There were three Roman festivals that we know were connected, maybe more, but we know that we're connected with Christmas. And Yahweh says here, Don't go and learn how these nations observed their mighty ones. Don't follow in their ways. Don't mimic them. It says, even so will I do. Likewise, thou shalt not do so unto Yahweh Elohim. For every abomination to Yahweh which he hates have they done unto their mighty ones. Even for even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their mighty ones. It's amazing how so many believers can ignore such warnings. And yet there are so many who believe in the Bible in the church, and you can tell them this, you can show them this, you can provide the evidence to them, and they will simply say, it's just not the same thing. Israel did precisely what we see within the church. Israel took practices, and they would morph them, and they would change them, and they would relabel them. Even with the golden calf. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but with the story of the golden calf, they identified the golden calf as Yahweh. You see, they took 
a pagan symbol, which they picked up from Egypt. And they made this golden calf, and they then labeled and identified this golden calf as Yahweh. And as we know from the word, that was an abomination to Yahweh. And that's precisely what we find with all these other days of worship. Instead of stamping these things out, instead of saying, no, you can't do these, instead of explaining why these days were wrong, it was easier to simply say, we will adopt this same day. So you're doing this on October 31st, great. And this is to honor the deceased of these Celtic deities, great. We're going to change this. We're going to relabel this. We're going to rename this to All Hallows' Eve, Halloween. But instead of honoring your Celtic deities, we're going to honor the deceased of the saints. It's the same pattern. And again, we see the same same concept with these other days of worship. Or Yahweh says here that we're not to learn the ways of the nations. He goes on here to describe these practices as an abomination. Now, for those who know the word abomination, you know that it's used to describe the absolute worst. There is nothing worse. When Yahweh uses the word abomination, what he's conveying to us is that there is nothing worse than that thing. And here he's saying that what these people were doing, that it was an abomination and that we were not to learn what they were doing, that we were not to mimic what they were doing, that we were not to to uh, incorporate this worship into our worship. Makes reference here to sons and daughters and how they were burning their children through the fires of Moloch. And this is an abomination. This is an abomination. The Druids also did something similar to this. They would make these, uh, these uh, images with wood and they would have people encased within them. The, um, the uh, Britannica describes this. says the uh, Druids offered human sacrifices for those who were gravely sick or in danger of death in battle. Huge wicker work, those are the images, images, were filled with the living men and then burned. So these people were not deceased, They were not dead. These men were very much alive. And they were burned alive. Although the Druids preferred to sacrifice criminals, they would choose innocent victims if necessary. And again, this is from the Encyclopedia Britannica. So we see here one way the Druids observed this day known as Sawin. Do we want to observe a day connected with human sacrifice, connected with the devil, connected with demons, connected with ghosts, connected with the demonic. Anybody who believes in the Bible, who believes that Halloween is a day that Yahweh would ever honor, is deceived. Yahweh will never honor days like this. Some are the worshipers of Moloch, Again, we find here that Halloween is rooted in human sacrifice. We can say that we no longer sacrifice on this day. 
But listen, that doesn't change what happened on this day. Yahweh says within his word, don't learn the ways of the heathen. Don't do as they do. Don't mimic their worship. Don't bring in their worship into your own. And we find in the case of Halloween, it was especially disdained. It was especially bad. It was especially egregious. So as believers, we're faced with a choice. And again, when I say believers, every Bible believer out there today, we're faced with a choice. Will we as believers, and I'm speaking to those also who may be hearing this message for the first time, maybe they don't know the history of Halloween. Maybe they've never heard the history of Halloween. Or now you know. And now we're faced with a choice. Are we going to follow our Father in heaven? Or are we going to follow traditions that are rooted, again, in paganism, that are rooted in the demonic, that are rooted with the deceased, that are rooted with Satan the devil? This is really the essence of what it is to be a believer. A believer is all about worshiping Yahweh's, he defines, within his word. How far are we willing to go to please the one we worship? Are we only willing to go halfway? as so many do today, or are we willing to go all the way with it? Listen, this is not easy, especially with days like Halloween and Christmas. I can't tell you the number of people I've spoken to. They've come into the faith. They realize that these days are not of Yahweh. They come out, and the persecution that they receive from their families is just unreal, especially with Christmas. Tell a family member you're not doing Christmas and the reaction that you receive. I've, I've had believers call me on my phone and cry because of the persecution that they received, the, the um, disdain that the family showed to them for refusing to honor these days. Find another warning, similar warning. Leviticus 19, uh, 6, and also verse 31. It says, You shall not eat anything with the blood, and neither shall you use enchantment, enchantment nor observe times. Observe times. These are days connected with evil, connected with the demonic, connected with pagan worship. Yahweh says that we're not to do that. And of course, with Halloween, we know that it's connected with not only these times, pagan times, but we also know enchantment and blood and the other descriptions we find here. Verse 31 says, regard them, regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. This passage has everything to do with sorcery and demonic activity and pagan days of worship. It speaks about the eating of blood, divination, and observing times also speaks to magic and familiar spirits, ghosts, and to wizards. And it says that as believers, we should not participate in these things. We should not have anything to do with these things, that we should remove these, especially within our worship. Do we see any of these images within today's observance of Halloween? Well, of course we do. Again, Halloween is all about the demonic. It's all about blood. It's all about divination. It's all about ghosts. It's all about evil. It's all about Satan. And yet again, so many believers who 
supposedly. And I do believe many believers, Bible believers out there, are sincere. They're just deceived. You see, we cannot honor Yahweh if we're going to be honoring days like this. We just can't. It's important that we understand the history, and even more important that we act upon that knowledge. Today's customs are more gruesome than ever before. And as we all know, blood seems to be the main focal point. More gore, the better. It's amazing the costumes we see. It's all about divination, magic, ghosts. It's amazing what Yahweh commands us not to do, we do. And they know their Bible. They, they've read these passages. But again, it doesn't matter because we've relabeled it. The church has baptized it. The church has adopted it. But it's not the same. We're not honoring the ancient Celts, the deities. No, we're honoring the saints, the deceased saints of the church. It doesn't matter. I want to look at one more example, this time from Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 through 14. It says, When thou art come into the land which Yahweh thy Elohim gives thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of these nations, of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto Yahweh. And because of these abominations, Yahweh the Elohim doth drive them out from before you. Thou shalt be perfect with Yahweh the Elohim. For these nations which thou shalt possess, hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, Yahweh the Elohim hath not suffered you so to do. How many times does Yahweh have to say within his word not to follow these pagan practices. And again, I know most of us, all of us in this room, we know this. We understand these things. So I guess this message is maybe even more for those who may be new, maybe those who might hear this for this first time. How many times does Yahweh, does one that we worship, must he say that we're not to learn the ways of the heathen, that these things are an abomination to him until we take notice, until we see enough, until we say we can't mimic, we can't follow, we can't do as we find within the church today. We find warnings in both the Old and New Testaments to stay away from these things. And yet, again, most Bible believers today, they simply ignore. Now, you will see some within the church to say, oh, I don't do Halloween. And that's great. But the vast majority today, they observe Halloween and most of them know that it is not something that is of holy, holy past. It is something that, again, is rooted within the demonic. It says here that we must be perfect with Yahweh Elohim. The word perfect here comes from the Hebrew Tamim. And it means without blemish, complete, without spot, undefiled, upright, and moral. These are the characteristics that describe who we should be as believers. So as believers, are we without blemish? Are we without spot? Are we undefiled? Are we upright? Are we moral? This is what Yahweh wants from his people. 
Yahweh wants not only us to avoid days like this, but he also wants us to be upright. And one way we are upright, one, we are, one way we are tamim, is by, by avoiding days, again, like Halloween and Christmas and these other days from paganism. Now, I realize that we're not perfect in the literal sense, but this doesn't mean we should not strive for perfect. And I really, I think that's what Scripture means when it says we're to be perfect as Yahweh is perfect. We're to strive for that perfection. We're to strive for that perfection. If we're going to be found worthy of such a prize, then we must begin by forsaking these pagan days of worship. Some people ask, just as a side note, we, we find in the Old Testament or New Testament in Acts 15 that they were told to abstain from four things like strangled blood and, and um, other items. And really, if we look at the history, what they were doing in Acts 15, these were the Gentiles coming in. They said, abstain from these items because these are all connected with false worship. Start there. And then you're going to learn from Moses, and that's what we find here. I want to now transition to the New Testament, share with you what we find in Galatians 4. There's a lot of people who misconstrue this. It says, How be it then, when you knew not Yahweh, you did service unto them by nature, which are no mighty ones. Notice that. It is so important that we notice what Paul says in verse 8. He says, You did service. You did worshipped them which by nature are no mighty ones. What he's referring to is false deities. He's referring to false worship. It's important, so important that we understand verse 8. But it says, but now after that you have known Elohim, or rather are known of Elohim. I don't know if you've noticed, I noticed that many years ago. This is an important distinction. It, we find here that Yahweh knows us first. I'm going to read that just one more time. It says, after that you have known Elohim or, or rather, are known of Elohim. You see, Yahweh does a calling. And I think that's an important distinction. Yahweh does a calling. How turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Now, what is Paul referring to when he says you observe days and months and times and years? Most will say, most claim that this is a reference to the Old Testament feast days. Most will say that these are Jewish feast days. Most will say that Paul is conveying to these believers in the New Testament that they should not be entangled with these Old Testament legalistic days of worship like the Passover and Pentecost and the other feast days we find in his word. Well, the problem is this theology doesn't fit what we find here. What is Paul speaking about here? What does he say again in verse 8? He's speaking to a people and he's speaking about a time when they were worshiping deities that were false. He says again, which by nature are no mighty ones. They, these, they, were, they were idols. They were idols. And this is what Paul is referring to. Paul is not referring to days of worship in the Old Testament. Paul is not referring to days like the Passover or Pentecost. 
Paul is referring to pagan days of worship. And then he's saying you're returning back. You're going back to these old pagan days. Why? He says, I've bestowed labor upon you in vain. He's, you know, what's the point? I've done all this work. I've, I've, I've made all this effort. And now you are returning back to these, 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 these uh, worship, these pagan days of worship. Why? Now, who were these people? It's important that we understand who these people were, the people of Galatia. Who were these? Or according to the Cyclopedia Biblical, Theological, and Ecclesiastical Literature, say that ten times. These people, the people of Galatia, were a mixture of Gauls, which migrated from Northern Europe, and Greeks. So Gauls and Greeks. Historically, that we know that the Gauls were ancient Celts. The Gauls were ancient Celts. We know this historically. So more than likely, Paul's referring here to the pagan worship of the ancient Celts. And also maybe the Greeks. It's likely here that he's referring in part to this day known as Samhain. And I can imagine Paul saying, what are you doing? You understand the truth. You understand that we should be observing days again like the Passover and unleavened bread and Pentecost. And you were going back to these old pagan days before you knew Yahweh. Days like Samhain. And days like these other pagan worship that we find with the ancient Gauls and the ancient Greeks. Why are you doing this? So again, this has nothing to do. Nothing to do with Yahweh's days of worship. This is referring to Gaul, uh, Gaulish and also Greek days of worship. No wonder again why, Yahweh, or why Paul said here, I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed a labor upon you in vain. I want to look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20. It says there, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to Elohim. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. I want you to notice that first line. What does Paul say there? Paul says there that, that I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You see, when we observe days like Halloween and even Easter and Christmas and all the other days barred from paganism, we are, by default, having fellowship with devils. The concept here is real simple. As believers, we cannot worship Yahweh and devils. We cannot worship Yahweh and at the same time participate in false pagan worship. We must choose which one we're going to worship. This reminds me of what we find in the book of Joshua. At the very end of the book, he tells the people, you choose. You choose. But he says, for me and my family, we're going to worship Yahweh. And as believers, we all must answer that question. As believers, we need to answer, what are we going to worship? Are we going to worship devils? Or are we going to worship Yahweh? And I know, again, we're talking about Halloween today. But this applies to any old days of worship or any beliefs that would be 
in opposition to our Father's word. Even things, I believe, like the Trinity, which, are, which is um, rooted in paganism. Just because we may change again the name, just because we may relabel the day, just because we may reapply the day, just because we may say, no, this is not an honor of the Celtic deities. This is honor of the, the saints, the, the, the deceased saints. It doesn't change anything. Yahweh says, don't learn these things. Yahweh says, don't learn and don't follow the ways of the heathens. Don't worship as they worship. As we saw in the Torah, he, define, he defines these times, these days as an abhorrence and as an abomination. Whether people realize it or not, again, so much within Christianity is, was adopted from paganism. And if you're hearing this for the first time, I would encourage you to study this out. Don't take my word for it. Because listen, if it's the truth, we should be able to prove it. And I believe, and I can stand here with boldness knowing that we can prove what we believe here. We can prove that the Sabbath is important. We can prove that the feast days are important. We can prove that our Father in heaven, that he has a name. And that we're to call upon his name. And we can also prove Days like Halloween and Christmas and Easter and all these other days are days that we should be removing and avoiding. And if we do not, that we are participating in what they were originally. And we are guilty of learning the ways of the heathen. And again, Yahweh says that this is an abomination, that this is an abhorrence to him. I want to close with 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. It says, Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Listen, Paul here is showing and providing a series of contrasts. Time out righteousness with unrighteousness and light with darkness. He says, What concord hath Messiah with Belial? Or what part? Hath he that believes with an infidel or an unbeliever? And what agreement hath the temple of Yahweh with idols? For you are the temple of the living Elohim, as Elohim hath said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be you separate, says Yahweh. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be unto you a father, and you shall be my Sons and daughters, says Yahweh Almighty. You know, I believe that this is one of the most powerful passages by the Apostle Paul. He shows here that we must make a separation. That we must make a separation. He shows here that there is no connection between a believer and an unbeliever, between light and darkness, between Messiah with Belial. The word Belial, by the way, is a euphemism for Satan the devil. What connection do we find between Yahshua, the Messiah, and Satan, the devil? Where we find no connection. They are in opposition to one another. They are in complete opposition to one another. We, as believers, must understand this concept of separation, this concept of being holy, this concept of of living a different way, this concept of following Yahweh's word, this concept of not adopting practices or beliefs that are foreign to the word of our Father in heaven. This is what got the church into trouble many, many hundreds of years ago. 
instead of again doing what was right, which doing what was right would have been, no, we're not incorporating this day. We're not honoring this day. We're not recognizing this day. Instead, again, they said, sure, we'll take this day. We'll relabel it. We'll reapply it. And um, we'll bring in more. And that's precisely what they did. But we find here through Paul that we must make a separation. This includes things like Halloween. Halloween, again, is demonic. It is all about the deceased. And it is rooted in satanic worship. And as believers, we should have nothing to do with this day. Notice what Paul says at the very end, and I'm going to close with these thoughts. We find here that for those who remain true to our Father in heaven, and this was kind of a theme, by the way, we heard during the feast. But for those who remain true to our Father in heaven, it says here that we're going to be his sons and daughters. Can you fathom something greater than being a son and daughter, son or daughter of Yahweh Almighty? Is there anything greater in this life? Is there anything greater that we could imagine maybe in the life to come? No, there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. There's no promise greater than that of being adopted into Yahweh's family and spending forever with him. And again, I want to speak to those who, again, may be new to this message. I want to encourage you to um, look into this and ask, would the one I'm worshiping be pleased <coughs> with, with me worshiping days like Halloween? I believe if you're sincere, if you really want to know the truth, if you really want to follow him as you should, I think you're going to realize that we can't observe days like this. And I think you're going to realize eventually that he has a name, and I think you're going to realize that he has days that he established that we're to observe. As we are doing here as a body, we are here worshiping his Sabbath as we should. So as believers, it really comes down to, to one lesson, and that is, are we going to follow him, or are we going to follow this world? And it doesn't matter what it is. Again, I know we're talking about Halloween but it really doesn't matter what it is. As a believer in Yahweh, we must always, always put him first. And if we do, as we've seen here, we're going to be a son or a daughter of his. And there's not a greater prize, there's not a greater thought, there's not a greater reward. So I pray that we would always understand this lesson of coming out, this lesson of making a separation, this lesson of putting him first, this lesson of making sure that our worship is based solely and completely on his truth. And may Yahweh bless you.